Well, we are uh, continuing. We are starting today. This is the official start day for our new five-week series that's really only going to be for the next three weeks called Laws to Live By based upon the Ten Commandments. All right? Now, if you're confused already, uh, I understand. My bad. Uh, You're thinking we got Ten Commandments, five weeks for the next three weeks. Yeah. We kind of got a little bit ahead of ourselves last Sunday. It was Mother's Day, and and we wanted to honor moms, so we skipped ahead, and we went to the fifth commandment, and we talked about honoring moms and the value of honoring moms and honoring our parents and how in life when we learn to live under authority, we live a better life, you know? So we kind of skipped ahead, and now we're going to back up and really do the start of the series of Laws to Live By, okay? How many were here for Mother's Day? Wasn't that a great day? It really was. Hopefully you went home and you spent some time really honoring your mom if she's alive or not. You can still spend some time reflecting. We talked about that and thanking God for your mom and her influence. So it was a great day. And I really think this is going to be a great series. I think this series has the capacity to dramatically deepen our understanding of who God is, of what God is really like. We have such a a, a faulty understanding today in our culture of who God is and what God's like. And we've kind of made God into our own image and we're really kind of confused. And I think this series could really bring great depth and great understanding and really seeing who God is. You see, God and all his wisdom has designed some laws, some directives, some principles to live by. And if we choose to live by them, we will live a richer, more meaningful, fuller life if we live by them. Now, as we saw last week, the Ten Commandments are God's universal standards for all societies. This is for all society. It's God's laws for all societies to live by. They tell us as human beings how to behave, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to treat each other. And last week I shared, if you had to pick one word, I want to make sure you're with me now. Last week we talked about all the different words to describe the Ten Commandments. And if you had to pick one word, the best word, the word I'd pick, right, to describe the Ten Commandments, it would be the word honor. Some of you were here and you listened. You remembered a week later. That is encouraging. Honor. And we need to honor God as God. We need to honor God's name. We need to honor God's day. We need to honor our parents. We need to honor our spouse. We need to honor our neighbors. We need to honor our coworkers. What the Ten Commandments is about, it's about honor. And it's not just about rules and regulations. I find most people, when you talk about, well, the pastor's talking about the Ten Commandments. That sounds exciting. Whoopee, you know. More rules and regulations, you know. And, and that's people's understanding of God. That's people's understanding of Christianity. It's all a bunch about a bunch of rules. And that's not. That's not what these Ten Commandments are about. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. These commandments are all about building better relationship. You see, God is concerned about our relationship with him. God is concerned about our relationship with our parents. God is concerned about our relationship with our spouse. God is concerned about your relationship with your children. God is concerned about our relationship with our neighbors, with our coworkers. So God, in all his wisdom, he gave us some laws to live by. You see, you can have all the money in the world, 
But if you don't have people to enjoy it with and to live it with and to do it with, you got squat. So God gave us some laws to help us build better relationships. You see, it's very important for us to understand that God gave us these Ten Commandments for our, what's the word? For our good. He loves us very much. And he has our good in mind. These aren't rules and regulation. This is all about relationship. It's all about God being a good God and wants to bless us to have a better life. But you say, yeah, you know, the, the Ten Commandments. It sounds so negative. Thou shalt not. Well, the fact is, when God gives us a negative, it always has a positive purpose. Can you say that with me? When God gives us a negative, it always has a positive purpose. Let me illustrate what I'm trying to say this, this morning. When my uh, youngest son of three, my three kids, youngest son, Philip, when he was just a little tyke, I think we got a picture of him, and um, uh, I would often say to Philip, Philip, do not touch your mother's curling iron. I don't know what it was about that thing. He was obsessed with his mother's curling iron. And I'd say, Philip, don't touch your mother's curling iron. It's hot. Don't touch it. It was a command. Don't touch it. What did he do? He touched it anyways, right? Now, is that command to help him or to hurt him? What's the answer? Is that command to protect him or to punish him? Protect him. Is that a command that I'm trying to keep him from having fun or am I trying to maximize his fun? You don't like that last one? I didn't hear anybody. <laughs> what are we trying to do? Trying to maximize his fun. Man, I want my son to, to love being a kid and exploring and learning things. I, want to I don't want his hands to be all burned up and those things are hot. My wife had scars on her hands all the time from that curling iron days, you know. I don't see those things anymore. Some of y'all still use them. I, I don't know. But anyway, Philip finally stopped. I want to let you know that. And when God says, thou shalt not, he's saying it to help us, not to hurt us. He's saying it to protect us, not to punish us. He's not trying to keep from, fun up, from us. He's trying to help us maximize our fun. You see, God designed this earth with, with laws, specific laws to govern this earth, spiritual laws, physical laws. And when we follow those laws and work with those laws, we have a better life. But when we fight those laws and rebel against those laws, we bring more hurt and pain into our lives. It's kind of like the law of gravity. Gravity. Kind of like this guy that says, you know, I just don't believe in the law of gravity. So he jumps off a 20-story building. Got a picture of him. Halfway down, someone looks outside the window, opens it up, shouts out to him, how's it going? He says, so far, so good. You know, and then crash. There are consequences when you violate God's law. The fact is when we break God's law, God's law breaks us. So God gave us the Ten Commandments. These are not ten suggestions. They're commandments. They are laws to live by. 
but he gave us these laws because he has our good at heart. All right? Got a good understanding now what these commandments are about? So first of all, today we're going to look at the first commandment, the first commandment, the first law to live by, and it comes first because it's first in importance. If we can just get this one down, it could radically change our lives for the better. Theologians refer to this as the cornerstone of the Ten Commandments. Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me over to uh, Exodus chapter 20, or grab that message outline if you haven't yet. And we'll begin reading in verse... Uh, I'm in Numbers. That's not going to work. Numbers 20 will not work. That's why some people ask, why do I bring this Bible up here and not use it? Because I can't see. Um, but I got Exodus now. And the context here in Exodus chapter 20 is, uh, that's why I use this. I have my Bible on my iPad because I can see so much better. But anyways, we're off the subject, aren't we? Um, the context here is Moses has just led the nation of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, and now he's going to give them some new rules for a new nation. So let's stand, if we can, as we read God's law. Let's stand together, and let's read verses 1 through verse 3, either on that sheet there, or I think we have it on the screen as well. Let's read it together one voice, can we? And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. Thank you. You may be seated. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first command. Have no other gods before me. Now, now what is God saying here? Some of us, you know, whenever we start reading the Bible about these gods thing, it, you know, it, it's confusing. We think, I don't have any of those gods. I have no gods before him. What's the principle here? What is God trying to teach us here? The principle is this. God gets first place in my life. God gets first place in my life. We honor God as God by putting him first in our lives. God deserves top billing in our lives. God says, I want to be first. You've got to honor me as God and not bow down, not worship other gods. Now, God specifically here, he's talking to the nation of Israel and, and how uh, they need to have no other gods before him. He's saying, listen, guys, don't worship the sun. Don't worship the moon, the stars. He's saying, don't worship Baal. I think we have a picture of Baal here. And often they would worship Baal by actually sacrificing live children. He said, guys, don't worship Baal. Don't worship Moloch there in the middle. Don't worship Dagon, all these Old Testament gods. Don't worship them. He's telling us, hey, listen, don't worship Allah. Don't worship Buddha. Don't worship Lenin or Marx or Mao. And please, don't worship yourself. Don't worship material goods, pleasure, fame, or money. Don't worship fashion, position, or, or man's applause. Just worship the true God. Honor God as God. Raise God up in value in your life. That's what we're talking about. Making him first. Making him a greater value in your life. And don't let other gods become first in your life. You see, a God is anything that has first place in your life. That's what a God is. For some people, their God is their, their boat. 
Some people, their God is their, their house, their money, <coughs> their career, their family. And what God's simply saying here is put nothing before me. Jesus put it this way. No one can serve two masters. For, he will, he, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I mean, this is brilliant. Jesus is telling us the secret to true freedom is to choose the best master. Because the reality is we all serve somebody. We all serve something. And Jesus is saying, serve the master that has your best in mind. Choose the master that has your good in mind. Jesus is saying, honor God as God. Put him first because he has our good in mind. And then you'll discover true freedom. Not freedom to do as one wants, but freedom to live your life as you should. You see, that's what the Ten Commandments is about. It's giving you the freedom to live your life the way you should live it. Not necessarily the way sometimes you desire to live it, but the way you should live. That's being truly free. And that's what Jesus wants us to live. And it starts with us making God first, honoring God as God. So that's, that's, the, um, that's the principle here. God gets first place in my life. And then notice the promise. The promise. Jesus continues in Matthew 6. And in verse 33, he says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. I love that little phrase. I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Jesus is restating the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. He's putting in a positive. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek God. Seek the things of God above all else. Make them first in your life. And then he says, and live righteously, live rightly. And then here's the promise. If you'll seek God and seek his kingdom above all else, here's the promise. He will give you everything you what? Need. What a promise. God will give you everything you need if you'll seek him and you'll seek him first. Now, everything you need here in the context is referring back to verse 25, talking about the things that we have a tendency to worry about. And often we can, you know, when we worry about something, we're kind of like making them a God, um, you know, so we're worrying about certain things. Now, now what are some of the things that, that we kind of worry about? What are some of the things we worry about the most? Like money, right? And our, our kids and money and our job and money, yeah, and our homes and money and our clothes, you know, and then we need more money for those clothes. And Jesus says, listen, listen, learn it in life. You can't serve God and serve money. It's, it's one or the other. God promises that if we put him first, he will give us everything you need. God says, if you will honor me for who I am, if you will obey me and seek me and my kingdom first, you will never regret having done that. 
If you'll honor me, I will honor you. If you honor me, I will bless your life now and in all eternity. I will come through for you if you will honor me. That's an incredible promise. That's what Jesus said, what Jesus taught. Now, I'm sure some of you here this morning, and, you know, we as a church, we love people and really believe in giving people the freedom to think for themselves. And some of you, as you read this, you know, this commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, it sounds, you know, a little exclusive. You know, it sounds like, why is God so preoccupied? People com- sometimes comment critically on this command and says, sounds like God's got an ego problem. You know, it sounds like, you know, he's, he's fixated about us only worshiping him and no other gods. And, and he's threatened by other deities, you know. He, he's trying to establish his corner on the market of men's worship and women's worship. Kind of like the Hunt brothers were trying to get a corner on the silver market. Is that the kind of God he is? Does this first command come out of a heart of an insecure God who's, who's, who's trying to uh, protect his divine ego? By placing restrictions and laws and limits on us, he wants all our worship to only be on him? I don't think so. Man, I've experienced it. It's exactly the opposite. The primary reason why God has instructed us to worship him and only him because he knows if we worship something else, we will be terribly disappointed and it can wreck our lives. Put it another way, whatever other God you bow down to, it will not come through for you when you need it the most. I remember hearing the story about a woman that her marriage, her husband, in many ways, was just her words. That he, he's everything to me, everything. And she gave him her highest affection, her highest loyalty, She worshiped him. In many ways, he was her God. And she thought because she was so loyal and so devoted and committed to him that he would always be loyal and devoted to her. He became her God. And she knew he would come through for her. She wrote a note to her pastor saying, six weeks ago, my husband came back from a two-week business trip and announced that he did not want to be my husband anymore or the father of his children. She had been sure that her husband would always come through for her. She worshiped him, and he walked out of her life. Another man's life kind of revolved around his his career, his job. You could say in many ways it was his God because he ordered his entire life around his career. But he didn't mind doing so because to him, his job was his ticket to financial security. His job was his ticket to ego fulfillment and self-esteem enhancement. And he reasoned that his job was worth ordering his entire life around because his job certainly would come through for him in a dozen different ways. And I quote, last week, My position was eliminated in this company. And as you might guess, his world caved in. Is my preaching that bad? (laughs) You can 
watch in the lobby if you want. We have it in the lobby there to hear it and help him feel a little better. Um, um, so I want him to have a good experience. I don't want him growing up hating to go to church, you know? So that's why we work so hard to have an incredible experience in Discovery Land because we want our kids to grow up loving church and loving God. All right, another message. I have no idea where I'm at now. Um, he sacrificed his marriage, his health, and his kids for his job. And what he worshiped didn't come through for him. When he needed his most, they got rid of him. They pushed him out. And almost every month, I come in contact with somebody who has been devastated by the fact that they put their trust in didn't come through for them. Promises were broken, projects were wrong, plans were destroyed, and players in the game of life come to terms with the painful reality that parents don't always come through for us, do they? Spouses don't always come through for you. Children don't always come through for you. Friends don't always come through for you. And all this leads an honest person to cry out and ask the question, who will come through for me? Who can I put my complete and total trust in that they won't turn their back and walk away from me? And the first commandment says this, honor me as God and I will always, always come through for you. I will give you everything you need if you will choose to put me first in your life. And I stand before you this morning to testify that God has always come through for me. Man, I will find myself, my back pinned against a wall thinking there's no way how in the world and God has always come through for me. He's always come through. And if we will honor God, God will honor us. He will come through. Honor God as God. Make God first in your life and he'll come through for you. He'll give you everything you need. He'll be there. When others walk out, he'll show up. He'll be there. Now, you hear a promise like that, I'm hoping you're asking, well, how do I do that? How do I honor God as God? How do I put God first? What is the procedure? Well, there's two steps to the procedure. The first step is this. First, you got to believe in God. To believe in God means to not just to believe with your head, but to trust him with your life, to trust him. you got to enter in a relationship with God where you trust him. It's kind of like this chair, which I love that chair. It's so comfortable. And I've got a bad back, and I, I enjoy sitting in that chair. But, you know, I can stand over here and say, you know what, I believe that's a chair. How many of you believe it's a chair? Most of you are still awake. Okay, it's a chair. How many of you believe that chair could hold you up? You would raise your hand. It's hold me up, you know, and not too many of you here way more than I do because um, I'm a pretty heavy guy. Um, but you can stand over there and sit over there and say you believe in that chair and you believe and believe and it exists, but you haven't put your faith in the chair. You haven't put your trust. I haven't put my faith and trust in the chair until I sit in the chair, and it is comfortable. A lot more comfortable in those chairs. <laughs> I shouldn't have told you that, should have I? <laughs> but now, you know what? Man, I'm in relationship with this chair. 
I'm in relationship with it, man. It's supporting me and, and it's keeping me off the ground. And you've got to come to the same place in your life where you believe in God. You believe that God is a good God. And because God loves you so much, he sent his very son to come to this earth to live a perfect life and to die on the cross for your sins. And when he was crucified, your sins were placed on his body. And he died in your place. He died in my place. And when you come to believe that, to put your faith and trust in him, that's how you honor God as God. You believe him. You trust him. Romans 10.9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you done that? Have you come to the place to say, you know, God, I'm unworthy. You know, I, 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 I'm unworthy of you. I haven't always come through for you. I've lied. I've stolen. I've I, I cheated people. I've hurt people's feelings. I've done bad things in my life. I haven't always come through for you. I, I haven't kept your laws to live by. And I'm sorry. And God responds by saying, hey, if you believe in me, I will forgive all your wrong, all your sin. And now you can be in relationship with me. So you got to believe in God, and then you obey God. There's no such thing as honoring God as God without a commitment on our part to make him first, to make him first in every area of our life. That's what it means when he says, you shall have no other gods before me. We've got to make him first. We've got to obey him. Obeying God means putting God, what's the word? First. F-I-R-S-T, putting God first, first in our finances, first in my finances. If you really believe in God, you got to trust him. you got to trust him with your money, with your finances. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, honor the Lord. Here it is again. Honor God as God. How do you honor God? Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your income. Honor the Lord with how God has blessed you. Honor the Lord. With the, what's the word? First fruits. Now, back in those days, most people, you know, were farmers. They worked the land. And what they would do when they would get their harvest, their income, their wealth, they would take the first fruit. They would give to God first. And by doing so, they were saying, he is God and I am not. He is the God of my life. They put him first. And that's the whole deal about this tithing stuff. God doesn't need our money, but by goodness, we need to learn to put God first. Because if you live in America, we're all tempted to put our faith and trust in what? Money. And Jesus says, listen, you do that, you're going to be disappointed. You need to put God first. You need to learn to give. And you need to learn to give to God first as an act of faith, as an act of trust. And then, look at the blessing. And then you'll be filled with what? Plenty. Man, your barns are going to be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. God says, if you will honor me with your money, I will come through for you. I will meet all your needs. Now, we're not talking about a prosperity doctrine. You know, you make God your Lord and your Savior, and you put him first, you're going to be rich. That's not what we're talking about here. He says very clearly, he'll meet all your needs. But my friend, I found it so often, God wants to bless us. He's just waiting for us to trust him, to put him 
first. He wants to be first in our finances. And the best way to see what and who is first in our finances is to look at our checkbook, to look at our visa statement or MasterCard statement. And we see pretty quickly where we spend all our money and what's first, what is God in our lives. The purpose of giving is to teach us to put God first. So God needs to be first in our finances. That's F. God needs to be first in our interests. I, interests, our careers, our jobs, our vocation, our hobbies, our recreational activities and pursuits. I can tell what's really important to you by what you get excited about. What do you get most excited about? What do you think about the most? What do you read about the most? What do you talk about the most? That is the God of your life. God says, I want to be first. I want you to think about me. I want you to read about me. I want you to talk about me. You shall have no other gods before me. God needs to be first. First in our finances, first in our interests. God needs to be first in our relationships. Our relationship with God needs to be first above all other relationships because he and only he will always come through for you and for me. I mean, did you know that even some things as good as your children can become your God? I I see it all the time. They kind of become, if you're not careful, the center of your life. And your life is centered all around them. And if they're happy, you're happy. And if they're sad, you're sad. They become a God in your life. God needs to be first. First in our finances, our interests, our relationships. First in our schedule. That's the schedule. Probably, I think probably the best verse in the Bible to describe our lives today, living here in South Florida, is found in Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. It's speaking of Moses. Let's read this verse together and see if this verse doesn't describe your life. Let's read it. He was kept busy from morning till night. And that's many of our lives. I mean, we're just busy. We're just busy, busy, busy all the time. And we get so busy doing so many things and so many activities and running here and going there and and trying to be the best parent and trying to be the best boss and trying to be the best spouse that we just don't have any time for God. He's not our God. Our schedule's our God. God needs to be first in our schedule. And he needs to be first in our time. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left his house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And we see this over and over and over and over again in scriptures. That Jesus began his morning by putting God first. It was a a spiritual discipline in his life. And if Jesus needed to spend time with God, don't you think you and I need to begin our day with God? 
That's putting God first. That's, letting, that's honoring God as God by, by putting him first. I mean, we have time in the morning to exercise somehow. We have time in the morning to eat a good breakfast. But it seems like we have no or little time for God. We need to honor God as God by putting him first because God is a relational God. He wants relationship with us. He wants us to get us into, his, into our schedule, into our time. We honor God as God by putting him first. First in our finances, first in our interests, first in our relationships, first in our schedule, first in our time. And if we honor God as God, God will honor us. Now, my most favorite, favorite movie of all time is The Notebook. I'm glad some of you laughed, all right? Um, I just want to make sure some of you were still awake, still listening. It's not the notebook. No offense, ladies. My favorite, it truly is, my favorite movie of all time is the Academy Award-winning movie. Uh, won four awards, Best Picture of the Year, 1981. And the name of the movie is Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. I love that movie. I love that movie because of the story going on in that movie. That's the movie. That's, that movie is built upon true life story. It's the story of two men. Two men. One by the name of Eric Little. The other by the name of Harold Abrams. Now, Harold Abrams was a, was a Jewish Englishman who wanted to prove to the world that he is not inferior to anyone. And he lived his life for himself. And even in victory... He lived a defeated life. He won the 200 meter. He won the race that Eric Little should have won. And yet he felt defeated. Now the other guy, Eric Little, he passionately lived for God. He honored God as God and refused to have any other gods before him. And as the story went, Eric qualified for the 1924 Olympic Games. One of his goals in life was to get a gold medal for his nation, for his country. And so he went and he competed. He competed hard. He was a 200-meter runner. He won the first race and the second race. He was scheduled and he was looked upon to be the favorite, to beat Harold Abrams and to win the 200-meter race. But there was a problem. The race was going to be run on the Sabbath. And he refused to run on the Sabbath. He believed in his heart that God didn't want him to race on Sunday. Now, we're going to talk more about this next week. We're going to look at honoring God's day, um, and we'll kind of get into that and help explain that. Um, we're going to look at God's remedy for burnout. So here is this guy. Can you imagine? All your life, you're a runner. You dream of making it to the Olympics. You get to the Olympics, and you win your first heat, your second heat. I believe it was the third heat. And now the final race is on Sunday. But because of your moral and spiritual convictions, you say, I'm not going to race. I'm going to honor God as God. God's first in my life. As a matter of fact, the British prime minister pleaded with him. And Eric Little responded and said, God comes first in my life. And he remained faithful to his conviction. And it looked like Eric Little 
would not win an Olympic gold medal. But as fate would have it, somebody, another British runner, dropped out of the final of the 400-meter race and asked Eric if he would run in his place. Now, you get the story? Get what's happening? He doesn't race 400 meters typically. And before the race begins, an American runner comes up to Eric, American runner that ran the 200-meter race, and he gives Eric a note. Let's watch. It says in the old book, he that honors me, I will honor. Good luck, Jackson Schultz. So where does the power come from? to see the race to its end from within. God made me for a purpose. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Samuel 2.30. Those who honor me, I will honor. Eric honored God, and God honored him. He won that Olympic gold medal. He went on and committed his life. He became a missionary to China. He died serving Christ in China. He put God first. So I ask you this morning, Will you put God first? Will you put him first in your finances? Will you put him first in your interests? Will you put him first in your relationships? Will you put him first in your schedule? Will you put him first in your time? Will you honor God as God by putting him first? Can we bow our heads in prayer? And with our heads bowed, can you pray this morning? Can you say, God, I want to honor you. God, I want to honor you like Eric Little. I want to honor you in my life. I believe in you. God, I want to obey you. I want to follow you. I want to put you first. Some of you this morning, for the first time in your life, you need to pray that prayer in which you believe 
You put your faith in God by trusting him and his son who died for you. And right now you need to say, God, I haven't been faithful to you. I have sinned and I've fallen short. And I invite Christ right now to come into my life and to save me and to change me. I put my faith in Christ. Can the rest of us pray this morning? Can we say, God, I want you to be first in my life. God, I want you to be first. I want you to be the only God in my life. I want you to be first in my finances. I want you to be first in my interests. I want you to be first in my relationships. I want you to be first in my schedule. I want you to be first in my time. Honor God as God, and he will honor you. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God, that you are a creator that hasn't just left us here on this planet. You're a God that wants us to be in relationship with you, that wants us to live a life of purpose and meaning. And it's found ultimately only in you. Everything else in this world will ultimately disappoint us, but you. God, help us to honor you and to put you first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.